Welcome to Life on the Land, a Grazy Her podcast telling the stories of women living across regional, rural and remote Australia. I'm Sammy O'Brien, your host for the season. Just a heads up, this episode of Life on the Land discusses issues of mental health. If you or someone you know is in need of help, you can call Lifeline anytime on 13 11 14. Our guest for today is Steph Schmidt. As most of you could probably relate, pressures of the farm, family life, financial burdens and just keeping the wheels in motion is enough to stress even the most level-headed. Mental health in the bush has long been a topic of conversation and it seems we are becoming more aware of the particular challenges of the idea. But are things changing quickly enough? And is enough being done in rural Australia to help those most at risk? Originally from the city of Adelaide in South Australia, Steph has become a brilliant advocate for changing the narrative and redefining the picture of farming mental health after overcoming her own setbacks when she moved to the country back in 2011. Steph, thank you so much for chatting with us on Life on the Land. You're a big advocate for rural mental health, but like many women living in the country, you grew up in the city. So uh, talk to us about where you're from originally. Yeah, so I'm Adelaide, Adelaide girl born and bred. I grew up in very much the just traditional suburban life, like we literally had a white picket fence, two kids and a dog. Um, And I probably was one of those people who didn't actually really have any other connection to farming life. I had one friend in primary school who came from a farm and I remember going on one farm visit, but that was about all the connection I had to farming. Um, So my childhood was very full of, I don't know, I did lots of different music. We did extracurricular activities after school, went to the central markets on the weekend or went to music concerts. So just a a suburban lifestyle. And then I finished high school, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I started studying international studies at uni. Um, And while I was studying, I worked at a pub in Adelaide called The Woolshed, which majority of listeners from South Australia will have have probably been there at some point in time but it's kind of classically known as the country pub in the city and so I started working there when I was 18 I think and when I was 19 one night I um yeah this spunky kind of farmer one out of many caught my eye and started chatting to me and he came up and chatted to me all night and at the end of the night I had my knockoff drinks and sat and chatted to him and had a big hug at the end and I always remember my manager kind of saying oh who was that looked like an old friend and I was like no I just met him um and yeah after that we started dating and the rest as they say is history and uh 17 or so years later we're we're still farming and, and going together so that was my farmer fun wants a life kind of story. So you met when you were 19, but you didn't move to the farm straight away, did you? No. So I was still studying. I kind of quickly realised that international studies and farming wasn't really the perfect mix. So I dabbled around in a range of different things at uni, trying to work out what was going to match um, with moving out to the country. And fell into psychology, which was something I'd always been interested in. Um, But yeah, transferred across to psychology. And so then over the next five years, because 
to go through the full psychology studies of kind of completing your undergraduate honours and then two years of masters, it's a it's a fair slog. So the next five years I spent travelling back and forwards. I would, um, yeah, kind of go up and visit. My husband was still at his parents' house for the first few years and I'd stay at my parents' house in Adelaide. Then we got our own, rented our own little place um, for a couple of years and then moved out onto one of the farms that we were leasing together. And finally, I think it was 2011, I finished my master's and could just kind of move full-time out onto the farm together. How did you find that move in those early days? Yeah, it's funny thinking back and I... I wonder because I had such a long transition period in a way where I was still back to Adelaide fairly often um, and it kind of gradually moved from first off I'd be down still working and then going out with friends and things and then my weekends would end up more in the country and then more and more time out. Um, But I've always loved it and I guess in those early days, before I was working full time, when I was up on the farm, I just spend a lot of time kind of tagging alongside my husband. And my first, like our first date kind of thing on the farm was helping him with crutching. And my job was like picking the dags, like so all the <laughs> poo and wee and stain bits out of the, the sheet of the wall. That was and definitely I'm like, planned on his part. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking this was a test and I obviously passed. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just lots of that time working together. And then it was probably once I was out full time, like living full time and then working full time myself, that then it kind of moves into that phase where he's working on the farm long hours, I'd go to work, come home and then have that time. Um, yeah, where it's a little bit of loneliness, but I think pre kids, I look back and I'm like, oh, there was a lot of freedom as well. Like I could go for walks or do exercise or I don't know how to my Zumba DVDs that I do. Um, so, yeah, I think pre-kids it was very different than once you throw three kids into the mix as well. Yeah. Did you find that in the early days that shine sort of did wear off once you actually fully settled into life there? Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, and I kind of look and I'm like, I guess, in the timeline, like there was five years going back and forth and we got married in 2013 and then we had our first son in 2014. So it was all fairly kind of slow, but then quick once that was happening. Um, And I've always enjoyed like being hands-on on the farm. So it's kind of, I've always loved kind of being involved there with him and learning and taking things on, but it's probably only been the last kind of year or two now I'm coming out the other side of having little kids um, that I'm getting to step back into a lot more involvement in the farm um, and and kind of that independence that you start to get once, I don't know, kids don't need quite as much as they do in those early years. So in terms of the work you did, was it anything that you were experiencing that made you think, okay, you know, this is something I need help with on the farm and surely others are feeling that way or was it more things that you were seeing in people around you that you thought, okay, let, let's do something about this? Yeah, so it was a bit of a mix. So when I first started working, I was working um, as a clinical psychologist in a non-government organisation, just kind of doing therapy with kids, adults, anyone who who comes through. Um, and I did that for a couple of years and I went back um, after both my first and second son 
were born. And what I kind of realized through that time, like I, I absolutely love that clinical work, but very much we weren't generally seeing farmers come through the doors. And I think a combination of reasons there in that there are long wait lists to get through into clinical services. Um, also kind of pre-COVID, it was all face-to-face. So there's that extra time added in of needing to travel to get to appointments and things as well. Um, so it ended up kind of being a melting pot of a few things. So 2018, we 2017-18 was when we really first experienced the, the drought and the impact of that like much of Australia, we were hit pretty hard for kind of 18, 19, 20. Um, and my my second son was born, Angus was born in 2017. So then kind of had a few years of doing both. And then it was around 2019, 2020, when I just kind of looked and I thought, we need to start doing things differently. I'd started doing a couple of community workshop presentations. And so that was when I thought, maybe there's something more to the prevention kind of skills training approach rather than just therapy which is basically skills training once you're in in that really crisis point and so that was when I started kind of building in my own work um, and I also kind of pivoted off winning the South Australian Agrifutures Rural Women's Award in 2020 as well so I had that I had my third son, Darcy, was born in July 2020. We also, COVID was kind of <laughs> happening everywhere during that time. Um, so it was a big mixing pot of a lot of things going on, um, but some in some really good ways as well. I think it forced us to realise that online can work really well, that there's some really great benefits to doing online work. Um, but also now I do do a lot of um, in-person kind of workshops and sessions as well. So, yeah, I guess my work's pivoted away from just doing the more clinical to coming into like a mental health promotion space and early intervention where, because I think in rural communities as farmers, there's always going to be stresses that we're facing, um, but there's skills that we can all learn to put in place that aren't necessarily going to get rid of the stress or make everything smooth sailing but can give us the skills to get through to the other side and also to just be able to enjoy what we're doing as well I think farming there are so many tough parts of it but it's also amazing as well and I sometimes think having that outside like not being born to it kind of coming into it makes me see the good parts even more sometimes I still see the the challenges as well (laughs) it's interesting what you said about you know farmers they've got to take time off work and time away from the farm just for an appointment and often it is a day you know a full day travel there and back for one appointment so through COVID the whole telehealth sort of scheme really really came into play do you think that's been a massive game changer in all of this Yeah, I think it's absolutely huge. And I think it's something that needs to be promoted a lot more. There's still a lot of, um, I guess, assumptions that face-to-face is better and people say, oh, especially farmers or rural communities, people want that face-to-face interaction. But I think if we keep persisting down that line, we're going to continue to be hit with we don't have enough services available. Um, Like I, because I'm on my own, like mental health journey and have my own kind of team around me. And I looked and the other day I had 
two appointments in the one day and literally all I did was walk from the sheet yards open up my computer sit down do the one hour appointment um, and go back out whereas yeah I saw a psychologist after my first son was born and the closest one that I went to was in the Barossa so an hour and 15 minutes away and it, it was it's by the time you go drive down there have your appointment and even if you come straight back, that's a three to four hour trip. So I think telehealth just makes such an incredible change in opportunity. And yeah, it's just something we need to talk about more because I think both experiencing it from both the, the psychologist chair and also the client chair, you still can get that. It might not be exactly the same, but you can still get that close connection that you get through face-to-face. And I think it is so wonderful too because, you know, rural communities are small and everyone seems to know everyone and, you know, people seem to know each other's business a lot more than maybe if you were living somewhere where there are more people. So reaching out might seem more daunting as well in a small town. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the challenges that um, isn't necessarily recognised in getting service providers to live in small towns. So when I was doing clinical work, it was in Clare, which is kind of the second town away from us and about 70 kilometres away. But I wouldn't probably actually do clinical work in my small town area because it's our small town. It's it's where we play footy and where the kids go to school and there's one degree of separation between everybody. So it's hard enough kind of keeping those boundaries in bigger areas, but keeping those boundaries in small towns, I think, can be a real challenge. So, yeah, telehealth definitely gives us that option to to come outside of that. And you cover everything from everyday life on the farm to uh, alcohol consumption in the country. What are you finding that people are most needing help with? Yeah, I think there's such a real, there's a real range, but also so many similarities. So I just recently did a, a campaign around changing the picture of farming mental health and kind of collected snapshot mental health snapshots from women in particularly in farming and sharing both the challenges and the highlights the the joys and rewards um to their mental health but a lot of the things that came out in the challenges were the isolation um that's faced plus all the that kind of uncertainty that we know know about being almost at the mercy of the markets not having a whole lot of control in that um but often there's also a lot of the relationship factors that come in particularly in farming whether it's managing a relationship with your husband plus trying to run a business with them or succession and multiple family um, relationships in there and even then like relationships and connections within the wider community as well so a whole lot of those factors and and yeah even alcohol use and I think it is this kind of really gradual but necessary changing and breaking of some of those stereotypes that are in there and I think we have moved away from that kind of tough and stoic farmer but it is still often the the image that's painted. And then when it comes to farmer mental health, the image is still so often a male rather than kind of seeing females in there. And so I think that's a big challenge, particularly for women, is still just being invisible in a lot of those conversations. Who are you finding are reaching out to you more? Is it mostly women still? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that is probably like the, I don't know, my social media and my audience that I that I have. Um, I also 
So I connect a lot with actual agribusinesses and I'm finding at the moment um, it's a lot of the service providers reaching out. So recognising like with the crash in the livestock and the uh, lamb and cattle prices, it's actually the the livestock agents that are one feeling the impacts themselves, but then needing to support others. So finding a lot at the moment that it's people looking for both how to look after themselves, but then that flow on of how do we support other people around us as well. You're also wanting to redefine farmer mental health and you obviously work a lot with women. What does that look like for you? How are you doing that? How are you changing that picture? So it was, I did just do a, like a one month campaign, basically September and October, where we shared images and short story, like uh, snapshots from women. And we had over 50 women kind of contribute. So they're, they're still on socials and then up on the the website as well, um, which is just at changethepicture.com.au. But I found through that campaign, the awareness raising and starting the conversation, but it also was a a way of breaking down I think for so many of us when we're really struggling or in a tough spot we feel like we're the only ones in this place um I'm the only one who can't cope with this or everyone else has it all together and so reading those stories and I found it myself like I'd read them when they got submitted and then read them when we put them up and then I'd kind of be scrolling and they'd come up like oh I really needed to see that right now um so I think just that connection knowing you're not alone in it but also really embracing I talked a lot about this idea of um embracing the and so it was kind of an accidental part of the campaign that every post had like the uh two pictures with an and like just an and picture in between so it would talk about one of the struggle sides and then one of the joyful parts of mental health. But what it meant was there was all these ands everywhere. And I think that's a really important part that we need to kind of highlight, particularly in farming, because I think there are incredibly tough parts. Um, and like I know for us, like it's a really tough time on the farm at the moment and we're working huge hours and we're exhausted and yeah, that kind of emotional and relationship roller coaster that happens around that. But what we also get alongside of that is the chance to, I don't know, work with our kids out in the sheep yards or see their growth or even just for for like myself. I um did my first header driving for this season yesterday. I did a fair bit last year, but like that sense of achievement that you can get at the end of the day and the sense of satisfaction. So I think really highlighting it's not about like kind of just showcasing the positives, but going if we want to have the good stuff, sometimes we have to get the tough stuff alongside of it. We can't have just one or the other. It's funny, isn't it? I know a lot of people always say, oh, like when I used to work in an office, people always just say, oh my gosh, I just could never work with my husband or I could never work, you know, in the same office as my wife. But, you know, being a farming family, you're working every single day together and you're living in the same house on the same property quite remotely often. So everything is, yeah, it's just sometimes things do get to boiling point because you're doing everything together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that recognition that, yes, sometimes there will be times when things explode or you have a couple of days where you can barely talk to each other because you've just reached that point. But then 
once you kind of move past from that and get back into the repair mode and I look and I'm like well when we do get to work like when we are working well to each with each other and I don't know fixing something or working in the sheet yards like no you get to have that cheeky banter and a bit of flirting that you wouldn't do when you're doing the dishes together or something um there's that there is that space to have a bit of fun um but I think we have to allow ourselves to do that as well with all the work that you're doing, is there anything that surprises you when you speak to people about what they're struggling with and you just think, oh, my gosh, you know, that's not some, that's not something that just you are dealing with. There are so many people that are feeling the same way that, you know, they might be surprised to hear that as well. Yeah, oh, so, so many things. I think, yeah, often the relationship side of things, um, something that comes out a lot, particularly for women, is the like not feeling worthy and not enough, not feeling good enough. And like no matter how many hats we're wearing, how many things we're doing, still not feeling like we're doing a good enough job of any of them. And I think that's something that, yeah, just it does come across for and so, something that so many of us do experience. And one of those things I think for each of us we look at everyone else and go wow they're amazing in everything that they're doing or they're just amazing just as a person um but for ourselves we're so often kind of beat ourselves up that's something that probably came out a lot through the um the change the picture campaign was this feeling of just juggling so many hats and still not feeling good enough at the end of the day so I think yeah something that I'm kind of doing a bit through my work and then hoping to in um, 2024 do kind of a, a more focused program, particularly for rural women, is really around finding your place in, in what you're doing in your life on the farm, um, but also, yeah, those ways of finding your worth because it doesn't matter how many hats you're wearing, like we're all worthy, whether we're wearing a million hats or none at all, um, we're all worthy just like full stop. And we are becoming more aware of the particular challenges of mental health in the bush, but do you think that things are changing quickly enough or, you know, have you seen change? Have you seen a progression in the last couple of years of your work? It's really interesting. Like I think awareness has improved a lot, but in terms of actually being able to do something about it um, or that, being able to get past that awareness of I'm not doing very well, what do I do next? I think for so long there was kind of a push on, right, we'll, we'll do mental health awareness, we'll tell people the signs of depression and then tell them that the next step is to go to their GP and go from there. Um, but I don't think that way is always working. Um, so I would really love to see more of the, the skills training, um, which is, yeah, the work that I do around in communities or with businesses and things just to build the skills that we all need, whether we're in good times or in really tough times, to be able to adapt to all of those challenges that are outside of our control and then still make the choices that are important to us. Um, and I think helping people to come back to that sense of responsibility as well, that like we can be responsible, we can make the choices to help ourselves move forward rather than that, right, well, you need to go and see a GP or you need to go and do this, which I think that sometimes is where 
yeah, our services aren't necessarily available and, that, and I don't always meet the mark. Like we, I just had it personally. My husband, yeah, has been really struggling. I kind of like, yeah, probably burnt out from five years of just stress and a lot of pressure on the farm and went to his GP for a physical checkup, well, a checkup, but I looked and I'm like, it was just a perfect opportunity for the GP to give him some screening questionnaires to look at levels of stress but instead the GP was kind of like oh well yeah you're probably stressed you just need to cut back on some things but I'm like oh it's just really missed the opportunity. I mean I think there's still a stigma around the topic of mental health and it's really that action part of it I know with my own husband you know you talk about things and talk about things and talk about things and then when it comes time to actually book an appointment to go and see someone the wheels fall off you know they it's almost like it's just too scary too hard basket yeah and I think like there's yeah I know my my husband's more than happy to book an appointment and go to the chiropractor or the physio or things but there is I think that stigma around well what what do you do if you go and see a psychologist I don't want to just sit there and talk about feelings but I think it is that psychology in particular is very much about taking action and changing what you're actually doing day to day it's not necessarily just the touchy-feely of lying on a couch and revealing your innermost secrets it's really around looking at okay well what what are you doing right now how is it working what's the smallest thing that you can change to start helping things to to work better from here um and yeah looking at where you can head and so I think that's where we can we can do a lot more in equipping people almost like just building capacity through that basic knowledge of I don't know a little bit around what our emotions are what our thoughts are what we can do to change our relationship with them rather than changing the thoughts themselves because that doesn't necessarily happen but we can change how we actually relate to them and then how to kind of build in those helpful helpful habits which look different for all of us so I don't think it's about kind of prescribing to everyone right you need to do an hour of exercise every day you need to get 10 hours of sleep or eight hours of sleep and not drink alcohol and do this or that it's helping people to make those choices and I think there's always going to be a need for that like that more severe clinical end but if we can kind of bring down the burden earlier on or give people those skills so that it doesn't go to crisis point so quickly, then it yeah, it kind of eases up the pressure on the service providers, but it can also help people just live their lives almost in a really simplistic way. So for rural communities, what do you think needs to change to see that real progression of those facing mental health challenges? Like I said, shifting from the mental health awareness so instead of having like a community conversation or a a guest speaker who comes and talks about their experience and then that's it I think part of that can be helpful in increasing conversations but alongside of that actually have some conversations around okay well what are you doing what can you do or what are the things you can do day to day I would love 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 to see more conversations around relationships and particularly those intimate partner relationships. I think, especially for farming men and rural men, there's been this like talk to your mates approach. Um, And I think that is helpful to a point, but one, it depends on how 
what kind of advice the mates are going to be giving, um, how kind of confident the mates are in having those conversations. But the majority of farmers have a partner at like most farming is within a, a partnership or a, a family um, system and set up. And I look and I'm like, if we could just strengthen those relationships and like we said before, that tricky space of managing a marriage or a relationship plus a farm and a business and raising a family or any of that it's incredibly hard but I think it can be a real strength in there that hasn't kind of been harnessed so I think that's a real area that more focus would be really beneficial. Talk to me about alcohol consumption in the country do you think that's a contributing factor to some mental health challenges? Yeah absolutely Um, I think again it's been oh it's it's kind of just one of those assumed things that and there's a lot of it's okay to have a few drinks or it's it's almost more okay to have drinks than not to have drinks um and even in the way of often getting people to events it's going oh we'll put on a beer and a barbecue and beers to get people to a mental health event and it just it blows my mind because I think we've gotten to the point where people actually do want to learn how to look after themselves. Um, and then when you kind of spice it up with having alcohol there as the draw card, it just sends such mixed messages. And um, like Shanna Wan at Sober in the Country has done just such an amazing job of really changing that conversation that it is okay to say no um, and that it's not it's not necessarily for everyone to be about complete abstinence from alcohol, but I think we do have to have awareness around how it does impact our mental health because it, it is a depressant itself. So it does have that impact on your mental health day to day, but I think it then can also have those flow on effects into your relationships. And as humans, we, we want to get rid of uncomfortable feelings. Like that's what we're driven to do is to get rid of discomfort. But when alcohol becomes the immediate way of doing it, we're not learning different ways or we don't get the chance to learn that, okay, I can feel uncomfortable. I can feel pain. I can feel frustration and still move towards what's important to me. Like it might be that what's actually important is going and kicking the footy with my kids rather than, having an extra glass of wine while I'm getting tea ready but it's almost like that's our automatic driver so yeah I think it's there's a lot of conversations to be had there as well. Alcohol is a funny thing isn't it because it's almost it's just such a big deal when someone decides not to drink and as women so you know we go nine months without drinking whilst we're pregnant and then breastfeeding and it's so normal like it's so normal for us but if you know if one of my husband's mates does a couple months sober everyone's like oh can you believe so and so it's amazing he's done a couple months sober and it's such a big deal for someone to do that yeah and I think even like as women we've probably all had the point pre having or in those first few months when like you're not drinking but haven't told anyone and I don't know it might have changed a bit now but it was always such a like oh well you're pregnant or anytime you were not drinking and I've gone oh I think yeah, it's probably been a big, that's probably been a big time when it has shifted for me of going, actually, I've had, yeah, nine months where I didn't drink at all. And then through be- breastfeeding, barely had any drinks. And you you get forced to learn that, oh, okay, I can, ha- I can have fun at this wedding, or I can kind of spend time socializing without having, having drinks to make it easier. But yeah, there's still a lot of those 
I guess the kind of the cultural norms and expectations that we need to need to work on a bit. Yeah, and pregnancy is something that you can lean on as an excuse not to be drinking. But I guess for the boys, it's that extra challenge of, you know, trying to find an excuse as to why you're not drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think it's it's actually almost, it's tricky even as well, just in terms of the, like, the logistics of it. I'm, I'm going, there's so many alcohol-free options that are really great now. Like, why can't? We just have them in stock at the local footy club because, like I know for me personally, I'm not really a big fan of soft drinks. So then if you have to spend the whole day just drinking water, you actually just want something else to drink. Okay, just to have non-alcoholic drinks in stock would probably make a big difference because then you've you've got something to hold on to. (laughs) Yeah. Now tell me about your farm life wellbeing check-in. I love this concept. Yeah, so I've put together just a really simple check-in quiz, really, for people to to jump online and do. I think there are a lot of, I don't know, mental health check-in ones online, but actually I realised when I tried to find some the other day, they weren't as easy to find as I thought they were. So I thought, right, I'll pop one on my website, which is particularly aimed for farming life, of looking at how your well-being is doing overall, a few particularly farming factors in there, like around the relationships or um, how you're managing the stress on the farm. And then at the end of it, so it's, I think, less than 15 questions so that it doesn't take up too much time, but just to get a little score at the end to say, yep, you're thriving, okay, you might be kind of navigating some challenging waters at the moment or hang on a second it looks like you're really struggling here um and just some pointers on where to go next for some extra help if you need it or some tips on what you can do to keep on improving your well-being every day so people can jump onto your website and it's sort of a list of things places that they can go for extra help yeah, yeah. So yeah, just through my website is just um stephschmidt.com.com.au. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> put that in the notes, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the notes probably. I've got some links and resources on there, but I thought, right, this is a, a concise way to just be able to link people in with also the services that might be more important at particular times. So say if it comes through that someone is really struggling to just point them straight to the phone lines or the um somewhere like their GP because there are still points where we do need to go to our GP and and have those conversations as well. Now Steph what is next for you in 2024? Trying somehow to find to do it all but not take on too much. Um, I'm really hoping to continue doing the yeah the community and and workplace sessions that I've been doing so far but really looking forward to doing a six-month program of just a small group kind of eight to ten um farming women which will be a mix of individual coaching with me and some group coaching to really move through and like six months we'll definitely cover at least one tricky season on the farm as well um to learn to to thrive I think even during the stress that that farm life brings us um I have just signed up to to do a um book writing course so that's my my 40 under 40 my one thing on my bucket list and I turn 40 in 
I think I'm, I'm 36. So I've got a couple of years, but I was like, right, let's just do this. Um, but I don't know if that'll be 2024 or 2025. We'll just see how life goes. But now I've put it out there publicly. It has to happen. People like Steph are doing wonderful things in rural communities to change the narrative for farming mental health. It's something we all talk about and it does seem like the conversation is slowly but surely changing for the better. If today's chat has raised anything with you, you can connect with Steph via the details on her website or you can also contact Lifeline anytime on 13 11 14. Thank you so much for your company on today's episode. I'm Sammy O'Brien. Have a wonderful and a very Merry Christmas wherever you are in our beautiful country and beyond. And a quick note, our latest issue of Grazy Her is on sale now. Inside, you'll find our free 2024 Grazy Her and Marcus Oldham wall calendar, as well as an exclusive photographic print to frame. Plus, with every two or three year subscription to the magazine, receive a free Women of the Land Grazy Her and Elders 2024 diary.